You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today, on this day in Packers history, there was actually a bombshell Sports Illustrated article that was released. Now, this is not the one that I was initially thinking of, which was the, I don't know, that guy who's now out in Buffalo who wrote a bunch of gar. At least I don't think that's the one. That one came out, I think, this year. I believe this was How It All Went Wrong by uh, Callan Kaler. It's a much more measured kind of thing. It was the first peek behind the curtain of the th- certain things that were kind of going on. It was, I think, a lot It was. It was a lot better of an article in terms of being a little more measured and a little, little bit more careful. And so um, I know it was, it was a tense thing. A lot of things were tense last year. A lot of people did not like the article and shouldn't be talking about this, but that's not how I operate. I want to know what's going on. Obviously, when the when the other article came out, I was much more upset and um, anti that article. But this one actually provided some decent context. And I think I did a decent enough job kind of tiptoeing around some of this stuff as it was speculation. But, um, you know, it, it was a pretty big indictment on a lot of things, including the Rogers and McCarthy relationship and all those kinds of things. And so I kind of just wanted to go through that. But it also was kind of a neat look at... Um, you know, a lot of the things I said need to happen, for example, the the new coach needs to come in, there needs to be a partnership. And that was essentially what we're seeing here. Uh, just the, you know, this is the article that talked about how there were, McCarthy never talked to Rogers on the sideline. I think McCarthy would talk to uh, Boyle and then Boyle would talk to, and I think Boyle talked to Kaiser and Kaiser talked to Rogers and it was just this giant barrier and a whole lot of other things. And so anyways, it's, it's, it's neat because I forgot half of this stuff and some of the how bad some of this stuff was. And um, so I just kind of went through it. And again, I, I was trying to be somewhat sensitive because it was not a fun time to be a Packer fan. And nobody wanted to hear these things and nobody wanted to talk about these things. Um, but it is what it is. And I'm, I'm not the kind of person that's just going to say, oh, this, this is all lies. Well, when the team's doing as bad as it is, I'm, I'm willing to at least listen. And so it was uh, It was a very, very good insight. And it was, it, again, especially in 2019, being able to look and see how far the team has come in, in certain ways. Okay. She's going to go get water. Um, but anyways, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Really, really big article that came through. Lots of real big insights. Real big bombshell. And uh, so anyways, um, this was a, a very important time, I guess, in Packers history. Somewhat of a monumental... Um, I guess, bombshell kind of a thing for the Packers organization. And, and fi- sort of like the final straw. I mean, obviously the play was the final straw, but just seeing it and hearing it was kind of like, all right, this this isn't working. This is never going to work. So anyways, we'll take a break and uh, we'll jump into it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Um, today is a bit of a unique day for several reasons. First of all, um, I don't think we're going to get to the Cardinals today. A um, few different things popped up, and I feel like while it's in the news and it's relevant and interesting because it potentially answers a lot of questions that we've been throwing um, inquiries at, if that makes sense. It's also special because uh, I got the crud today, just like yesterday. Got a little bit of a cold going on. It's also an interesting day because today is, in fact, my birthday. Yeah, so if you want to give me a present, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore day. I'm just saying that or, you know, like a virtual high five is, is good too. Whatever you want to do. Or you can just ignore me on my birthday, you know. I mean, if you want to be that guy, go ahead and be that guy, I guess. Finally, today's a little weird, outside of the things we're going to be talking about, because it's the 250th episode, which is a round number, you know, kind of kind of, kind of like a milestone, right? I mean, it takes, it takes me 100 days to get to the next 100, so I'm going to celebrate the 50s as well, all right? 250. It really is a lot. It's funny how some people have podcasts for years and they've accumulated like 300 episodes, and it's like, wow, man, they've been doing this for a long time. I just got started, and I'm at 250. (laughs) That's the benefit of doing daily. It's like I'm new, but I've been around. Been doing this the equivalent of uh, several years. But anyways, um, felt like I'd pat myself on the back today, if that's all right with you. So the first thing I wanted to mention is that I forgot to report some very, very serious news. Um... The Packers signed to their practice squad one Mr. Gerhard de Beer, which was quickly pointed out that essentially what the Packers did was sign an offensive lineman named Guard de Beer. Like, like Guard the Beer. That wasn't my dad joke. I'm just relaying that to you. I'm, I, I'm, that, come on, that's funny, man. This is a Wisconsin team. He's an offensive lineman. Guard, whatever. It's my birthday. You have to laugh at that. But he is uh, 24, young. He's a 2018 undrafted free agent, Buffalo Bills. Didn't make the cut, probably won't be much of a con- uh, contributor. However, 
given the horrible quality of our offensive line, minus three of our starters, outside chance he's uh, better than than everybody, everybody else. Would not surprise me all that much. Six foot six, three hundred and twelve pounds. I I would not be surprised if we get Mr. Guard the Beer, put him at right guard, and he's our best right guard. He's a tackle, but I don't care. He's six foot six, three hundred and twelve pounds. If he just stands still and gets in the way, he's probably better than Bell. Just saying. He's so bad. He's so bad. McCray is so bad. They're so bad. I was so happy that Bell took the job from McRae because McRae is so bad, and now I just want McRae back really badly. Not because I was wrong, but Bell is actually worse, and I don't know how that can happen. Anyways, switching over to a little bit more of a serious tone now, I don't know if any of you have read the Sports Illustrated article regarding what's going on. What is the name of this article? How it all went wrong in Packerland. So these are pretty cool articles. Usually articles are written by people like me who don't have any inside access to a bunch of players and coaches who, you know, sometimes speculate, which is to say make stuff up, and then uh, other times or other people try to stay away from speculation as much as possible, which means you really just don't have much left to say. You can report statistics um, if you have a bunch of time on your hands or just are really dedicated to doing stuff. You could, uh, you know, throw up some film and kind of analyze it as best as you can, because even that's a little bit of speculation. But there's not a whole lot we can do. However, occasionally, one of these Sports Illustrated, ESPN, whatever type people, who have access to people that we don't, decide they're going to go around and talk to everybody and write a massively humongoid article um regarding all the issues with the team. And I'm serious, this is, it's a big article and every paragraph is like a new, a new revelation. So I posted it on Twitter, I put it in the Facebook group. If you haven't read it yet, you've probably seen a couple clips and heard people talking a little bit about it, but I just want to go through it and we'll see where we end up. I have a feeling it's going to take a very long time. I'm not going to read the entire thing because that's going to be an hour in and of itself. But I'm going to take it claim by claim, and just kind of sit here in in shock with you. Now, I, I also understand some people are going to look at this and say, well, that's all speculation, and that's not fair to Rodgers. Listen, all we've done all year is try to figure out what's wrong with the team. We've all speculated. We've all thrown out theories. Somebody talked to a bunch of people who are in the know, and they're giving us the answer. If you don't want to listen to it, fine. Go. I'm sorry, I can't. I mean, th- this isn't just gossip for the sake of gossip. This isn't like, what are Rodgers and Danica doing on Saturday night? Oh, looks like they went to the movies. Here's 17 pictures. Like, I don't care about that. This is football related. This is why did this season hurt me so bad? Why is this happening to me? <laughs> why didn't we win a Super Bowl? I mean, Super Bowl didn't happen yet. Technically, we're not eliminated. But, I mean, why? Here's the answer. Some people get upset. Well, we shouldn't be peeking behind the curtain. Fine, go away. So the article essentially starts off kind of saying what we've all been saying, that everybody's kind of waiting for the relax moment and the the run-the-table thing, but clearly something is different this year, and it is. The first issue that they point to is something that isn't really a big revelation. It's something we all kind of have known, but essentially it starts with Ted Thompson and his lack of ability to draft. 
and essentially what they're saying is that the draft and develop model works so long as you're very very good at drafting Ted Thompson started to be not so good at drafting anymore and the model falls apart beyond that I've kind of taken that a step further and said it's hard to win with just draft and develop and at some point you kind of got to push in free agency and he was never going to push which is why the, the team was always like real good but not quite good enough because even with draft and develop there's not enough there's too much turnover to build up an entire roster not to say you can't win obviously we did we had the ability to several times but it would have been beneficial for Thompson to at some point recognize this is a very good opportunity for us to cash out right take a bunch of money and just buy a bunch of people and try to see if we can win this thing right the offense is is top tier was like every year but the defense was a joke could we not have gone and gotten like a cornerback and a pass rusher or something and just like broke the bank to do it but Thompson was never going to push in because Thompson's philosophy was always looking to next year the problem with looking to next year is that you're never looking at this year Right? It's, it's like I've been talking about the last several days. You've got this year and you've got the future. Being too focused on right now can hurt your future. Like a lot of teams who are buying up everybody. Well, that's great if you win. It's not so great if you don't because then your future's in trouble. Thompson was always wanting to protect the future, which is great. It's why we had so many great years. But it's really hard to win with that. Like win it all with that. We won a lot to be good enough to go all the way in is is tough. So anyways, that's sort of the first thing that that uh Kaylin who wrote this, Kaylin Kaler. Don't know her, but um props to Kaylin for putting this together. Um a little bit more specific um and this is this is kind of the thing too. A lot of this is some of it is stuff we know, some of it is things we know but much more specific and it's it's very cool article because it goes behind the scenes to to give specifics about what, and it's not like we know, it's just that we speculate, right? The The assumption is Ted Thompson didn't really do enough in free agency, but, you know, maybe this was a, a prudent thing and everybody was on board, but if you continue reading on, apparently a lot of people were very, very upset, especially the pro personnel staff, because that's literally their entire job, is to scout other NFL talent, bring that information to Ted Thompson and say, look, man, we've got these guys on the phone right now. But when it got up to Ted Thompson to sign off on it, he just wouldn't. Um, you know, more specifically, she points out that they had the opportunity to land Randy Moss, Marshawn Lynch, who is a teammate of Aaron Rodgers, and Tony Gonzalez. Beyond that, Ted Thompson, and this is also in the article, and it's something else that we kind of knew, but it was just sort of one of these like team things. Like the Packers are kind of known for not having character type guys on the team. Apparently that was a very big Ted Thompson thing. I don't know if it's just Ted Thompson or what, but it'll be interesting to see, for example, what happens now that Brian Gutekunst is there and how much more we're willing to kind of push the envelope there. No, I, I, I personally, I'm fine with that, right? Getting away from that was like getting Martellus Bennett. Colt Lyerla is another one that comes immediately to mind. The tight end who was um, unbelievably talented. I think he was like a first or second round talent, but he fell way in the draft. He might have even went undrafted, I don't exactly remember, but he had a lot of off-the-field issues, and um, the guy essentially got an injury, was uh, got into a bunch of trouble. I don't know if he got arrested or what, but it just didn't pan out. It, and it, it, I, I, I don't hate that policy at all, especially now that we're learning how fragile a locker room can be. You just don't want that stuff. 
I don't want Odell Beckham on my team. I know how good he is. I get that. I just don't want him. And if you look at, you know, Tony Gonzalez, to the best of my knowledge, is a very uh, straightforward, upstanding dude. But you talk about Randy Moss or Marshawn Lynch, you're starting to get more media attention, possible negative energy type people. Um, You can see why the Packers would stay away from that. But to kind of bring it all together, you have a lot of restrictions that are just basically means we're never going to sign anybody, right? We, we have very strict criteria, and on top of that, you have a GM that's just like, eh, I don't know, it's going to cost money, and it's going to cost us, you know, draft picks, and I want more of those, not less of those, so just no. There's some other comments brought up about, uh, you know, it kind of goes in segments. This is the Ted Thompson segment, I suppose. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of it. Some of it is about, you know, there's too many rules, it's too strict. I don't really mind that so much. I know in today's NFL, um, trying to be too strict can kind of blow up in your face, but I also think being a player's coach is a is, is kind of the wrong thing to be. Sean McVay seems to be that way, and it seems to kind of work, but trying to be a player's best friend, and I don't know if that's what Sean McVay's doing, it just, I don't think it works. Hugh Jackson was a player's coach. He got run over. He was everybody's buddy. The team was a joke. He was kind of a joke. He got fired. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. I do think there's somewhat of an issue there, and we'll kind of get to that as we move on to McCarthy and the coaching staff and the the locker room um, relationship with, with players. But as far as Ted Thompson setting rules too strictly, like you can't wear backwards hats and your locker room needs to be tidied, so what? Um, the, the very first paragraph of the next segment uh, says that there was an inside source who made the claim that the organization got lazy. This is another thing where we kind of all kind of felt it, but it's good to have somebody actually say it. In other words, everybody just said, you know what, with Aaron Rodgers, everything's fine. And he masked a ton of problems. And it's to the point now where there's too many problems. And we can point to Aaron Rodgers and say that he's not doing things quite right, but I'm not willing to say it's it's like his talent has gone down. I, I think I think the problems we see with Aaron Rodgers are largely because of a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about in this article, which means there's no reason he can't get back to the other levels. Things have deteriorated pretty rapidly. They've deteriorated as far as the leadership structure has turned over, so there's some different communication things going on. The, uh, the the head coach-quarterback relationship has kind of fallen off, and we'll talk more about that. The talent has dropped off. It's to the point where this is not how it needs to go, and it's important that Gutekunst and the future head coach that's going to come in here realize Aaron Rodgers is the most important piece, but he's not the only piece. Rodgers is also extremely intelligent, which I think is one of his greatest assets. When you look at a guy like uh, Peyton Manning, even when his body just was deteriorated. I mean, that the, the guy had no mobility. He had no arm. But everything he did was done at the line of scrimmage. He beat the defense with his mind. Aaron Rodgers has that ability. The very next paragraph, and I'll just read this. It says, Rodgers is the smartest guy in Green Bay's locker room, football or otherwise. Every Friday, Packers quarterbacks, the offensive coordinator, and the quarterback's coach take a quarterback test. It's typically 30 football questions and then 10 to 15 trivia questions, ranging from riddles to Borkle-inspired random facts, whatever that is. Shouldn't come as a surprise that Rodgers usually aces the test, which changes every week. The backups rotate, putting the quiz together and trying their best to stump Rodgers. Aaron always knew about 90% of it, says former Green Bay backup Joe Callahan. 
So that's kind of cool too, because it's like, okay, well, who are they actually talking to? These are the kind of guys they're talking to. Ex-players, right? Ex-coaches, whatever. He won a good amount. Roger's intelligence is one of his greatest strengths. It also makes coaching him a unique challenge. So the arm talent is still there. We've seen the throws. We've seen the bad throws too, but, but point me to the thing that has deteriorated so that he can't do it anymore. He still has mobility. He's still quick. He's still sharp mentally. The arm talent is still there. The, the, the arm strength, the accuracy. He's still the most important piece and he still has everything we need, but it just seems like things are kind of a mess. And somebody needs to come in and just clean it out and start over. Now, the next paragraph I find very interesting because it provides an insight into something. So, for example, a lot of people have been bringing up, well, you know, maybe he's still upset about Jordy Nelson. Maybe he's upset that they moved on from his his quarterback coach, right? All these little things that are done. And he's made comments, but I think a lot of people are saying that's ridiculous, that's speculation, that has nothing to do with his attitude or any of that kind of stuff. Listen to this. Quote, he doesn't forget any slight or grievance, no matter how, st- how small. He still brings up the fact that he was drafted 24th overall, the second quarterback after Alex Smith went number one overall in the 2005 draft. Does that really surprise anybody? The, the part where he doesn't forget any slight or grievance? He just feels like he would be that kind of a guy. He's, he's highly competitive, and I think a lot of highly competitive people are kind of that way. Sort of that I'll show you kind of thing. They get so angry about the littlest thing that a lot of their success is trying to prove everybody wrong. I I don't think it's out of line for me to suggest that he is very, very upset about several things. I don't think it's out of line for him to say that he's upset with the, the organization for getting rid of Jordy Nelson. And as we'll find out, the quarterback coach thing is, is definitely not out of line. And I think the the fractious relationship between McCarthy and Rodgers can get toxic quick when you have somebody with this kind of an attitude. And the fact that Aaron Rodgers... I mean, and listen, it's it's not just Aaron Rodgers and him being a certain kind of way. I think this has run its course. The, The McCarthy coaching thing has run its course for several reasons. But when things go wrong, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is usually the kind of guy that's just going to shake your hand and just drop it. Just let it go. He can't forget anything. right? Ask the guy about a play that he made in college back whatever. He'll remember it. It's one of the positives. It could also be a negative. He doesn't forget anything. That's the good and the bad. So I said I don't want to read this whole thing, but it's just... Let me just read this because this is kind of the next next thing. And it, it's really... You know, it, it's kind of a... It seems like it's a problem with the way the the team is run from McCarthy's standpoint. I can understand where it would become a problem, but McCarthy needs to fix this, and he didn't. So here, just listen to this. McCarthy is the play caller, but because Rodgers is so intelligent and such a good improvisational player, the quarterback has the green light to change plays on the field as he sees fit. It seems fine, right? I'm sure most teams do that. He does, so often that it can be hard for McCarthy to get into a rhythm as a play caller. McCarthy might call the play, the same play three times in a game without the play actually being run as he called it. And if McCarthy calls a play that Rodgers doesn't like early in the game, that can sour the mood for the rest of the game. Several sources familiar with the inner workings of the organization say that it devolved into a competition over who can call a better play and both want credit when things go right. So this is problematic. It, it makes sense that we give Aaron Rodgers some leeway. It doesn't make sense... Dance party time. Dance party break. It doesn't really make sense that you essentially have two play callers. 
and you have two guys trying to get into a rhythm and doing two different things. Right? Aaron Rodgers is trying to get into a rhythm, and he does so by, by doing whatever. McCarthy has a game plan planned out built around a rhythm, and they're both in conflict. If You can't do half of each. You can't have Rodgers saying okay to some of these plays and then say, no, that's dumb, I'm doing something else here. You can't get into a rhythm doing that. That's not possible. It's, it's why things just don't make sense. It's why I sit here and say, why do I feel like I'm watching a kid play Madden just picking, picking random plays? Why is there no rhythm? Why, why is it that when there is a rhythm, they come back out and they just do something different? And it just looks weird. Why was everything going so well and they just fell apart? This is why. It gets worse, though. And I'm, I'm not going to comment too much on the last sentence there where they both want credit when things go right. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I, th- I think the... the um, I don't know, organization of it, the, 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 the way that this is planned out doesn't make sense. And I don't exactly know how you fix that. You either give 100% control to Aaron Rodgers, um, which could be problematic, although I don't, I don't really know why it would be. Let's just pause here for a moment. Let's say we tried that, right? I'm Mike McCarthy. I'm on the hot seat. The team's not working. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to listen. Maybe it's just because he's proud and thinks he knows how to do things, and he does because he's smart. Maybe it's because he's got an attitude and wants to show off. Bottom line is, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm paddling upstream trying to force something that he doesn't want. How about I just position myself to, to... Listen, feed the man's ego. You know how you get in with somebody who has an ego? You, pa- you pander to it. I've done that several times at my work. you got some guys that are real rough around the edges, but they're very smart. They know their stuff. You know what you do? You go up to him and ask him a question. How does this work? They'll love you forever. You'll have to give them an hour of your time as they draw on, the, on a whiteboard about how the circuitry works and this, that, or the other. Pander to the ego. Just do it. The problem is, I think, this is where I'm getting into speculation, although it kind of feeds into what the article's saying, McCarthy has as big of an ego as Aaron Rodgers does. That's a problem. And I really do think that's a problem, and I really do think... The next head coach, as much as he needs to come in and, and take control of things, I don't think control is a problem in Green Bay. There's a lot of control, right? I, I, we talked about the rules. There's a lot of rules. There's a lot of structure. Everybody has to be in line. The problem is Aaron Rodgers has been around too long. He's too old. He's too rich. He's too smart. He's too talented. He's not listening to anybody. Right? He'll play along with the dumb rules. He's not going to wear a backwards hat. He's, he's not... He's not breaking those kinds of rules. He's not going out drinking and, and, you know, getting arrested and doing all this kind of stuff. However, he knows what he knows. And when it comes to on the field, he's going to put his foot down. So when we get somebody else in here, they have to, I mean, you really just have to be partners with Aaron Rodgers. And that's kind of what we're seeing here, but not so much. So again, the question is, why don't we try it? Why don't we just sit down with Aaron Rodgers and like, look, man, we both know that you know what you're doing out there. So I want to try to assist you as far as building a game plan around what you think is going to work. And we'll sit down for several hours and we'll plan this out. And really, my job is to just kind of be your assistant. Now, that's going to be a massive ego blow to any head coach, but that's kind of what it is. So if if he goes out and he's calling the plays and we're monitoring it, basically he's going to come back in and I'm going to sit down with you and be like, okay, so what You know, what are we trying to do? Maybe this is why. And we, we just try to advise Rodgers on his next series how to go about doing this. And, and listen, I know that's a, that's a touchy kind of thing. 
right? Do you want to give your quarterback that much ego and power and all that stuff? And then what happens if you try to rein him back in? Are you are you are you letting the lion out of the cage here? But again, what alternative is there? Because this doesn't work. Me calling a play and and setting up like a, how we're going to it's a it's a broader, bigger strategy throughout the game that this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to get momentum and rhythm, and this is how things are going to you know this is how we'll adapt and change. And everything's planned out, and then Rogers goes out and he's like, nah, I don't like these plays. Here's how I think I'm going to start a rhythm. Here's how I think I'm going to get things going. So let's continue on because there's more specifics in that regard. I hate that she put stuff in between. I got to skip a lot of good good stuff to try to find <laughs> to try to find the uh, what I'm trying to say here. Here we go. All right, so this is going to be a couple paragraphs. I'm just going to read this and then we'll talk about it again. On Saturdays before games, McCarthy and Rodgers go over which plays Rodgers likes and wants to keep and which plays he wants cut from the game plan. So that's cool, right? I know uh, Belichick and Brady do that. I'm sure that's pretty standard. The the quarterback, especially, I mean, maybe not rookies or backups or whatever, but, I mean, if this is an established quarterback like Rodgers and you want to get his input, cool. All right, back to the story. Though the two meet individually three to four times each week during the season, a source close to the quarterback says that because McCarthy has other duties as a head coach, which is true, he misses several offensive install meetings or quarterback meetings, a source of frustration for Rodgers because McCarthy will add or change plays during the Saturday walkthroughs that mess with the established flow of the game plan. So they get together and they say, okay, here's what we're going to do. And then Roger says, all right, I don't like this and I do like this. And they're like, oh, cool, man, we got to figure it out. Then McCarthy goes and he is with the wide receivers and he's with the tight ends and he's with all these other people. And they get feedback and he gives gets feedback. And then he's like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. And he starts adding and taking things out again. And Roger's like, what are you doing? We, we had a conversation about this. I don't like that play. And I told you I want to do more of this. What are you doing? Continuing on, Green Bay's number two quarterback, Kaiser, and third string quarterback, Tim Boyle, do their best to patch up any disconnect during games. As part of their roles as backups, they are both working to improve in-game communication between the head coach and the starter. Kaiser and Boyle act as translators on the sideline, relaying checks Rodgers might make that McCarthy doesn't have the angle to see or the coach misses while looking at his play sheet. We're kind of the liaisons for Aaron to Coach McCarthy, Boyle says. Our eyes are always on Aaron, seeing what checks, what he checks to, what he adjusts to, so when he comes back to the sideline, we can relay that to Coach McCarthy. So again, right, just, just more specifics about what we've been saying. They come up with a plan, McCarthy and Rodgers, and then McCarthy changes the plan based on what he's saying, and then Rodgers also is kind of by himself talking with the quarterbacks about things and realizing maybe we should start doing some of this. So they both have deviated from the plan a little bit. Aaron Rodgers is out there making checks. McCarthy doesn't even know what the checks are. He has to talk to a third-string quarterback asking him why did, what did he do and why did he do it. Not, he doesn't ask Rodgers, he asks Boyle. And then when Rodgers goes back, he sits on the bench next to Kaiser, and Kaiser talks to Rodgers. McCarthy and Rodgers aren't talking. They already talked previously during the week, and then they decided that they didn't like each other's plan, they both changed each other's plan. The quarterbacks know what Rodgers is doing, and they're communicating to Rodgers and to McCarthy as liaisons in between the two to get McCarthy to understand why Rodgers is doing We have a head coach who doesn't know why we're calling the plays we're calling. Why did he do that? Oh, well, we decided this, and then uh, because he's doing... So he, this is what he checked to, and this is why, because we, we thought that when we see this look, uh, this, that, or the other. Let's continue reading. Because Rodgers has so much freedom, McCarthy's frustration often comes from not knowing what checks his quarterbacks went to and why, like I said. 
Kaiser and Boyle have typically been in more conversations with Rodgers throughout the week and sometimes explain his decisions to McCarthy in order to better set up future play calls. Early in the fourth quarter in Detroit this season, the Packers' offense was running no huddle. Rodgers and Kaiser had a few conversations on the sideline before the series about wanting to create matchup issues with the Lions cornerback Darius Slay, bringing Adams inside rather than lining him up outside. The quarterback decided on a series of three play calls focused on Adams, having him run crossers or sit-downs in a flat to eventually set up a route that resulted in a red zone touchdown. McCarthy wasn't part of those conversations, so the quarterbacks explained that series to him afterwards. What is this? What in the world is this? Again, here's the series of events as I understand it. McCarthy and Rogers sit down and have a conversation for about three hours. They go over the entire playbook, in particular talking about the upcoming opponent. They come to an agreement, and McCarthy's very cool about it, right? Like, let's, let's do what you like to do. Then McCarthy goes on and does his other coaching duties, decides from the, based on the feedback from the wide receivers, like, oh, yeah, we like to do this, that, or the other. Tight ends, yeah, 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 running back, da-da-da-da-da. And he realizes some of the stuff we talked about maybe wasn't the best thing, and he changes it. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers is over here practicing with the quarterbacks, and they're having their own conversation about how they think we can best win this, and they make changes and have discussions. And we have, during a game, we're talking fourth quarter against Detroit, Aaron Rodgers decides... Here's what we're going to do. He orchestrates his own drive while McCarthy's calling in plays. He's completely ignoring it, calling his own plays. They go down, get a touchdown, and then our backup quarterback has to explain to our head coach what happened and why it happened. <laughs> no wonder things are not working. What? Okay. Again. And, and this, is, this is kind of where it's like, if it works, let it work. If Aaron Rodgers is coming up with stuff, you know, I, I just just make sure you, you bring me in on it. First of all, I'm going to get rid of these, these intermediaries because I don't want that. I need a relationship with my quarterback. I want him to come to me, and I can come over and, like, give him a big high five and be like, dude, that was awesome. Tell me what's going on, please. You know, fill me in. You're making me look good here as a head coach. So, you know, just make sure when people ask me why we did what we did, you know, fill me in a little bit. And again, we can kind of talk about stuff like, oh yeah, I loved how you did this. Uh, you know, did you have you considered maybe kind of doing one of these? And and what if what if I brought him out to help you block? Like, should should I bring him out there? You know, whatever. It, again, it seems ridiculous for a head coach to have that kind of a job. But at this point, we can't do this. And Rogers isn't going to let you be the head coach and the 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 play caller and all this stuff. And now you have this barrier between you and your your starting quarterback between you and and you know the backups. This is a fractious trash heap of a team. Not not the players. Again, Rodgers, very good. Left tackle, very good. Number one wide receiver, very good. We've got a good defensive tackle. We, we've got a, a number one cornerback. We've got a good running back. There's some good stuff here. But this system, this is a joke. This can't work. And if that means outside-the-box thinking, just do it. If that means giving Rodgers 90% of the play-calling responsibilities... Just do it. Maybe you can just get all of his input and say, this is kind of what I want to do, and then you take back the responsibility playing within what he wants to do. right? You get to monitor the down and distance and do all this stuff and take that away from Rodgers, but you're still calling the plays that he wanted. You monitor the defense. You monitor the down and distance. You monitor how many times you've run and passed, and then you call which of Rodgers' plays makes sense in this situation, and you just get it into him so that he can just focus on execution. Whatever. I don't care. But this is nonsense.
Continuing on, Boyle doesn't dress for games. He stands near McCarthy on the sideline for most of the game and reviews pictures with him after each drive, while Kaiser sits on the bench with Rodgers and quarterback coach Frank Signetti Jr. Quote, I'm trying to help him see what Aaron is seeing and improve the coordination, Boyle says. Aaron is so locked in. Coach McCarthy is so locked in. I'm trying to help them communicate. Locked into what? McCarthy's locked into the next play that he's going to call that isn't going to get called? I mean, I get it. You're locked in, but I, I just I feel like you're locked into the wrong stuff, man. So I want to backtrack a little bit because, like I said, I skipped a big portion of it um, to kind of get to continue on with what I'm saying. But this kind of leads to the fact of the matter is I Aaron Rodgers is very upset. I'm not going to go so far as to say he's purposely tanking to get McCarthy out. I think that's a little too conspiratorial. However, there could be something similar happening. And that could just be something as simple as Rodgers is being defiant because he's upset with the way things are going, and that defiance creates the conflict, creates the problems on offense, and it kind of acts in the same way. Here's a quote. Aaron won't be upset this story is being written and some of these frustrations are getting out there, a source close to Rodgers said. In other words, there's a lot of tension. Rodgers is not a fan of McCarthy, and he wants everybody to know it. Why? He wants McCarthy gone. The very next paragraph talks about that win over Buffalo where he said we've, we've, it was as bad as we've played on offense with that many yards in a long time. There was no flow to the game. We were a championship-level defense, a non-playoff team on offense. right? He, he apparently later clarified it and took the blame himself, but there's no question where that's pointed at. There's no flow to the game. Now, based on what we just said, he may have some responsibility in that, but you can't have flow with two people calling two plays on every play. The next paragraph talks about the uh, the Bengals game last season. After taking a sack late in the third quarter, Rodgers looks to the sideline. It didn't take an expert re- lip reader to decipher the message. Stupid flummin' call. And then he backed it up and said the exact same thing again. He looked dead into McCarthy's face and said that. Here's what I didn't know. Quote, the following week, when Rodgers walked into the individual meeting with McCarthy, the head coach had the broadcast clip pulled up on the screen ready to review and discuss. This sounds like a, a ah, I don't know, but if, if I'm trying to build a relationship with Rodgers, I don't know that the first thing I'm going to do after he did that is to pull up a clip of him yelling that to me and saying, let's have a conversation about this, shall we? And, and maybe have a conversation about professionalism and how to handle yourself as a, as, a, as a man and as a football player and as a Green Bay Packer. Why don't we talk about that? This seems like two guys that have been around each other for a very long time and are uh, kind of just frustrated with each other and are taking little jabs at each other. And I think McCarthy is not very much that way like Aaron Rodgers is. But hearing this... <laughs> Granted, he may just, maybe he's just being robotic and saw it as his job, right? Again, very strict on rules. One of the rules is you can't be doing this stuff on the sideline. So maybe the conversation was more or less, look, I'm not upset that, you know, you said that to me or whatever, but we got to talk about this. You can't be doing this stuff on television, whatever. So moving on to another issue, obviously all this is still relatively related, but the, I don't want to say next paragraph, but later in the article, it discusses how a lot of players don't feel comfortable going to McCarthy to talk to him about the issues that they're seeing. It says, quote, McCarthy was never particularly close with players, but sources close to the organization say that as the culture grew more uptight in Green Bay under Thompson, McCarthy became more closed off to players. Now, this is, this is you could call this speculation, but tell me you don't see that. When was the last time you saw anything from McCarthy to a player other than giving him that look? 
that scrunched up face, that, that are you kidding me, you're a joke look. I, I don't even really remember. It, it, it just, listen, and this is again, like, where's Mike Daniels? Where's that energy? Where's anybody's energy? Where's Rodgers any? The only energy you see, other than from Jamal Williams and Jair and some of these guys on defense, the only energy you see is negative. Everything just feels robotic. Like, when you get a first down, you just did your job. When you don't get a first down, come on, man. Like, the, you messed up again. And then we go to the sideline. We don't talk to each other. Rodgers and, and McCarthy don't talk to each other. There's no, like, big high five. There's no, like, Aaron Rodgers, you know, jumping up and, and whatever. With my, There's just nothing with anybody. Like, even a touchdown celebration is more or less Rodgers running up, giving Devontae a high five, and then they go to the sideline. Like, they're just smiling a little bit. But it just it feels cold. And McCarthy in particular. Like, when, when was the last time he celebrated anything? Not that there's been much to celebrate, but it's not like we haven't won games this year. It just feels cold. It feels dead. There's no energy. You know, where's that? Again, I know the players coach thing isn't always the greatest, but that doesn't mean you can't celebrate with your players, right? Sean McVay running out on the field, like jumping into players' arms and stuff. McCarthy might have a little bit of issue trying to do do that. Just saying. It was unnecessarily unfair, but I know I was going to get called out for it, so I'll just get out in front of it. But where's the passion for winning? And I, I kind of feel like Green Bay Packers fans kind of got that way too. I started to get that way, where where winning was the expectation and losing was just just made me upset. That was kind of what I talked about yesterday or the day before when I said I got into a real dark place when we lost to Seattle and that just meltdown in the playoffs. That that was where I had kind of gotten. I got to the place where winning is the expectation and lose. So basically, if you win. It was just like stressful and like thankful that it's over and oh, oh, thankfully, finally we won. There was no joy. There's no celebration. It's just that's the expectation. And then losing was like, what is wrong with these people? And we, we'd lose two, three games a year. And those two, three games was like, oh, we, we are just the worst. I hate this. That's what it feels like with the Packers, right? Aaron Rodgers misses one throw on the first drive and already he's like, oh, I hate this. It's just too cold in Green Bay. How about that for a headline? That was accidentally brilliant. But it is. It's It's just, there's no, I don't know. Let's continue on because this is one of the biggest things that I had heard and it's it's beyond shocking to me. And if it's true, it really has me pretty upset. But uh, let's continue because we did talk about the quarterback's coach and this is where this comes in. Quote, when quarterback's coach Alex Van Pelt wasn't retained this past offseason, Rodgers took his displeasure public. Quote, Within a quote, I thought that was an interesting change, really without consulting me, Rogers said on ESPN's Gallic and Wingo show, whatever that is. There's a close connection between quarterback and quarterback coach, and that was an interesting decision. No question he's upset by that. And and the, it really is a good question of why. Why? And, I, you know, you can point at, okay, well, it's because of Brett Hundley wasn't very good. Like, give me a break. That's Van Pelt's fault. And again, when we're talking about the Packers, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers and keeping him happy and keeping keeping that machine going. And if you're telling me now that Rodgers and Van Pelt had a very close relationship and you got rid of Van Pelt, you're a dum-dum. 
Let's continue on and talk about exactly how close they were. Van Pelt has a history with McCarthy. He was a quarterback at the University of Pittsburgh when McCarthy was a grad assistant working with the quarterbacks, 89-91. to 91. Van Pelt spent six years on McCarthy's Green Bay staff, the last four as quarterback coach, and he and Rodgers grew close. Rodgers would often go over to Van Pelt's house for dinners with the Van Pelt family, the coach's wife, and three kids. This is a very closed-off human being, Aaron Rodgers. He's not doing this with McCarthy. I, maybe he's going out with a couple other players, but to have that kind of a relationship between your quarterback, who happens to be Aaron Rodgers, and your quarterback's coach, I don't know that there are very many more valuable people in the Green Bay Packers organization than Alex Van Pelt. I didn't know it at the time, but hearing it now, I'm very upset to hear that. So this is where, and it's not 100%, but it does say several sources, and it also kind of plays into why. Why would you do something so dumb? Here is the explanation given by sources as to why we got rid of him. Ready? When asked why they think Van Pelt is no longer in Green Bay, Green Bay, several sources close to the team say they believe because Van Pelt had Rodgers' ear, McCarthy saw him as a threat. McCarthy should be fired for treason. He put his own interests, if this is true, his own interests and, 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 and his career in front of the the Packers organization. I mean, literally, this one decision potentially ruined our season this year. Quote, which came first, the chicken or the egg? McCarthy wants credit for Aaron Rodgers, who he is, says a source familiar with the inner workings of the organization. I think too many people have tried to say they created Aaron Rodgers. So, McCarthy has a big ego. Van Pelt and Rodgers are like best friends, and they're, they're kind of working things out themselves and McCarthy's kind of getting phased out, right? Things are working, and they're working because of Van Pelt, because they're discussing things. And when he goes to the sideline, he's talking to Van Pelt. Then they're talking about what they saw and how they can improve and what they can improve, and the offense was working. I don't know if you remember the beginning of 2017. It looked pretty good to me. That was a good football team. It fell apart because of Hundley, and 2018 was supposed to be like, boom, everything's fine, but it's not. Why? Well, I don't know. Things are different. There is a lack of talent. There's a lot of other things going on. There's also no Van Pelt. And things are deteriorating with Rodgers' mood. He's growing sour with the organization and the coach. The decision to fire Van Pelt for no reason whatsoever. And by the way, the, the article also implies that Van Pelt probably had his... So he didn't take an extension back in like 2016 or whatever, and the reason he didn't is because he thought he'd be in line for a coordinator position, which is not out of line whatsoever when you are Aaron Rodgers' quarterback coach, right? That's a pretty... You're probably top of the list to become an offensive coordinator. But then when everybody saw what happened with Brett Hundley, where you remove Aaron Rodgers and see what Van Pelt can do with a quarterback that isn't Aaron Rodgers, and you see how horrible it was, it kind of hurt his chances. So now he didn't take the contract extension. McCarthy takes that as an opportunity to get rid of him, and now he's a quarterback coach over in in Cincinnati. I, I, I hope so, so desperately that this is not true. But everything about everything just kind of makes sense hearing it the way I'm hearing it. Because there's a lot of things that don't make sense. Why would this happen? Why would that happen? Why is this happening? Everything. This. This. It's, this. Why I love this article and wanted to talk about it. This fills the gaps. Why is the offense so weird? It's because of that weird structure we have, where McCarthy has one plan, and then you know, 
Rodgers has another plan that he came up with with the quarterbacks, which probably would have been Van Pelt, but Van Pelt's gone, and apparently he does not like Signetti very much from New York, his new quarterback coach. That was buried in here somewhere else, too. I don't know where, but that was another thing that was brought. There's no real rela- I mean, when have you even heard the guy's name? I completely forgot we hired the guy. So he's off coming up with a plan with the backup quarterbacks, who now are, like, that's his people now, I guess. Because he doesn't like Signetti, and Van Pelt's gone, and who else is he going to talk to? Well, I guess he'll talk to Kaiser. And then Boyle is sitting over with his hat and t-shirt, explaining to McCarthy why Aaron Rodgers is running the offense differently than they had agreed upon just a couple days before. So, I, I just, Wow. From there, it kind of talks about how, you know, McCarthy isn't necessarily a bad coach. Kind of blaming him for this stuff doesn't make a lot of sense. One, because Rodgers isn't really executing the play as it's drawn up. Two, he's he's not really call, running the plays that are even called. And then beyond that, he starts to talk about as the season has progressed, McCarthy has started changing some of the concepts. But um, a lot of it is the reason they're running the, the old spread stuff is because that's what Rodgers likes, but it's just not working. So, the, you know, but we, we I think we all kind of acknowledge that. It's not that he's a bad coach necessarily because of his scheme or any of this other stuff. It's just the structure doesn't work. I I think, you know, the quote, it's run its course, is about the best way to put it. It's just he's a good coach. Rodgers is a good quarterback. They're just they can't work together anymore. It's it's too much. It's time for a break. So I'm 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 fine with you know the several um, paragraph explanation of that. I wouldn't argue that at all. I think he he does have the intelligence and flexibility to run a more modern offense. I just think he's kind of doing what works and what Rodgers likes, right? Rodgers likes the deep throws. He likes the extended plays. They just don't work because we don't have players that know how to do it and we don't have an offensive line that can block. So whatever. That that at this point is not even the problem. The last paragraph here, um, or several paragraphs or whatever, it talks about, you know, how things are different than in years past, which is actually how the story started, which I think is what you're supposed to do. I don't know. I don't write things. But, uh, you know, it talked about how everybody's trying to get Rodgers to say those special magic words. I think we can do it. Here, here's something else that I had not really even considered. Um, I, I do think it's probably true that Aaron Rodgers isn't saying it because he isn't seeing it. I'm also wondering if Aaron Rodgers isn't saying it because he doesn't want to see it and doesn't want to believe it. I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to put a positive spin on this because it's not positive. I think Aaron Rodgers knows that things aren't working, and he wants to make sure everybody else knows. He wants to make sure the media knows. He wants to make sure the fans know. He definitely wants to make sure the people making decisions know because he wants to make sure McCarthy's gone after this year. He's not going to say anything positive. Maybe on occasion, right? He'll, you know, I thought we looked good here. I thought we looked good there, this, that, or the other. He's not going to make a massive declarative statement. I don't believe that says this team is where it needs to be. This team right now, this is it. Because that would imply Mike McCarthy. He'll point out players. He'll point to himself as being positive or negative. He'll point to other players as being positive or negative. I don't think he's going to want to talk about McCarthy in a positive light. There's a problem, and he's kind of screaming for help. Even if he's part of the problem, and it's his arrogance and ego and all this stuff, bottom line is he's not going to change. And the way that he is, and this offense is, isn't working the way that it's currently set up with McCarthy. He needs everybody to recognize that a change is needed desperately. So I'm not saying necessarily that he's tanking. I'm not taking it that far. Because again, I don't think we need to take it that far. He's too competitive to try to lose. That reflects poorly on him. And he's too smart to recognize that that, that that's going to hurt the team overall and the morale of the team. 
but I don't think he has to. I think the losses are coming because of the problems that he wants fixed. And and that's why we're not going to get that that moment this year. I don't believe. We'll see. If, if they beat the Cardinals and it's a convincing win, you know, like I said, 14 to 42 or something crazy, yeah, maybe he comes out and he's like, you know what? Something's working. But I just, at this point in time, with things being so fractious, I, I think he has to be cautious. And, unless he just knows 100%. Maybe he got an assurance from somebody that McCarthy's gone. At that point, yeah, let it all hang out. Talk about how great this team is. Get everybody jacked up. Whatever. But with no guarantees that McCarthy's gone, I, I think he has to do and say what he has to do and say to um, at least get the message out that there's problems without directly just calling out McCarthy. He's definitely making it clear something isn't working. And no, I'm not giving you a statement about how great things are because things are really bad right now. That's my uh, my one conspiracy theory, which I don't think is even very much of a conspiracy theory. I just think it's the reality. Things aren't working, and he's not going to lie. He just wants them fixed. Well, what good is it to say things are great when things are not great if it means that everything stays the same? Push people. Th- th- that's part of the issue, too, and they talked about it a little bit in this article, is how people get comfortable. Everybody got comfortable just leaning on Rodgers and just letting everything else fall apart. right? They set up the rules. They, they worry about their pride and the, the pride of Green Bay, which is great. You know, Maintain the image, all of this stuff. But people get lazy, and um, you know, I mean, it, it, it's human nature. You see that when you go to work, or you see it in your house, or whatever, you know, with your kids. If you don't push them, what's going to happen? You know, you you got to set limits. If there are rules and there are chores that need to be done, and they know right after dinner, it's you have to go do dishes. This is how I was with a kid. I was horrible. After dinner, I go downstairs. Every day, it's the same rule: do dishes. I I don't know. I don't I don't remember why I was such a dumb kid. I just was. I don't know. And then I'd have to get yelled at. But what's going to happen if you don't push and, and stay? They're, they're going to keep drifting further and further away. And then at, at some point, if you don't push back, they're just not doing dishes anymore. Same thing happens at work, not just with the managers to the employees, but the managers themselves a lot of times work just to keep the flies off them, right? Just, just I'll leave you alone, Mr. Employee, so long as you're doing the work that is required to keep people from yelling at me. I don't want to have to get in calls from people yelling at me saying this isn't getting done. That's when I'm going to come down hard on you. I think Rogers knows and rightly is applying pressure and applying heat. And a lot of that heat is going to come from the fans. A lot of that heat is going to come from the media. So again, as it was said in this article, he's not going to be upset that stuff like this is getting out. This is the heat and pressure required to make a change. We saw it last year. There was heat. There was pressure. We got a new defensive coordinator. We got a new GM. Both of those are big upgrades. Maybe we need one last push to, uh, to make some changes. Maybe we should also consider adding Van Pelt to the uh, head coaching list. <laughs> I don't know if he could handle the responsibility, but again, um, what is it we want in a head coach? If it's we want young, crazy McVay college football offense, yeah, we probably don't want him. If our main concern is um, making sure that there's a good relationship between the head coach and the quarterback and they can kind of make the thing go, and that's basically his job is to just keep the players doing what they need to be doing to win football games, I'm, I'm game. I mean, you don't have to do very much. Aaron Rodgers is calling most of the plays, so your job is to just organize things, right? When do we practice? How much do we practice? What do we practice? Discuss game plan and strategy. Well, your defensive coordinator is going to pretty much handle the defensive side of it, not that you can't discuss with them, but you know, whatever. And then uh, you and your 
you know, other coaches and Aaron Rodgers and those guys, you, you talk strategy and you come up with a plan that Aaron likes and you let Aaron go ex- execute it. I mean, if Rodgers liked me, you could just hire me for the head coach. I'll figure it out. I don't know. Do some push-ups. Rodgers, how you doing, man? We're friends? Cool, buddy. Boom, I'm already a better head coach than Mike McCarthy. Take Rodgers out to dinner. Tell the guys to do push-ups. Super Bowl, guaranteed. Anyways, I uh, I felt that this was a, a well-timed article because a lot of us, even though we kind of already know, you know, 75% of this, this is a good inside look, and it's, it's kind of just a nail in the coffin for those of us that are skeptical and, well, maybe not, and, well, who knows. I mean, it, it, this provides a, a good amount of context and I think really just solidifies things. And this is, again, this is the final bit of pressure and heat required because I guarantee you Rodgers and McCarthy and, and all the coaches and the GM and, and Mark Murphy read this. I guarantee it. And if, if there's, not that anybody's doubting it at this point, but if if McCarthy is not fired after this season, he just he, there's nothing he can do to be fired. It's not even about the record anymore. It, it's, it's deeper than that. This is, this is a toxic thing that's happening here. And it, it, it kind of worries me a little bit about the future. Not, not, not to get too down on Rodgers. I think he would be, um, I think he could probably be a pretty cool guy. But I just think once you get on his bad side, it can be problematic. And I think when you start cutting people that he likes and start shipping people like Van Pelt off um, for egotistical reasons and you get rid of Jordy, even when the guy would have paid, played for pennies and if nothing else, I mean, he, he, he's, he, he has no value anywhere outside of Green Bay. And I'm not saying, you know, I understand moving on from him, but, I mean, the, the guy would have played for, for very little. And I, I don't doubt that, you know, it's, it's, it's Rodgers plays a certain way, and Jordy knows how to work with that. You know, I, I don't know. you got to move on at some point, and Rodgers just needs to deal with it. But I just, I, I also think the way they did it was kind of not great. You know, they, they sort of offered him a, a disrespectful amount of money, I think it was the veteran minimum, and um, I, I think Jordy would have taken very, very little, but not that disrespectful contract that they offered. He would have taken a, a smaller amount of money than what other teams are offering him. I have no doubt about that. So I, I just think it's the the callousness and the coldness toward Jordy. Um, again, the fact that he was never consulted on any of these things, the, the fact that they shipped off Van Pelt, again, never consulted Rodgers. And I know a lot of people push back on me about that, but I'm not talking about him making decisions. I'm just talking about sitting down having a conversation. Because, again, this machine won't go unless Aaron Rodgers is, is on board. And to just cut him out at the knees and not even talk to him about it and then just say, just be quiet and go do what I tell you to do, that, that is a recipe for disaster. I understand his job isn't to make decisions. And again, never said make decisions. But you, you, you have to be able to, to think and adapt. And if, if we're just going to go by the letter of the law, quarterbacks don't do these things. They don't get, fine, you're going to poison this team. If that's what it takes to make the team work, dare to be different. Not like, I mean, is it that horrible? You mean you let a quarterback into the, the meeting about, Van Pelt, and it doesn't even need to be like a, I don't know, specifically about should we fire him. You could kind of mask it a little bit so that Rodgers doesn't go run to Van Pelt like, hey, I just had a meeting, they're about to fire you, just so you know, because, you know, we're best friends or whatever. Just talk about all your coaches. How you, how you feel about me? How do you feel about Van Pelt? How do you feel about uh, that one guy over there? Who I don't know. Just get his opinion on stuff. 
How how vital are all these different people to you? Let him tell you. Let's talk about your 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 wide receivers, your offensive line, your your running backs. W- where do you feel most comfortable? Who helps you the most? How do they help you? I just, it, 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 it continues to blow my mind how basic things like this just don't happen on a football team. I've, I've mentioned it several times, those across-the-hall meetings that were, like, revolutionary. I was blown away because I didn't know that that wasn't already happening. I feel like a defensive coordinator would have a really good amount of input for your offense, right? Like, hey, man, how about you take a look at our offense and tell me what you think? And he looks at it and goes, well, you guys stink, and here's why, and here's how I would defend you. And then you can maybe start there and say, oh, that's a good point. Right here, here's here's the defense that we're going up against. You're their coordinator. These are the pieces you have. Here's our offense. How do you defend us? What is that going to take? You you have what a two three hour meeting? That amount of of vital information. It just I don't know. But apparently that kind of stuff is revolutionary. Talking to your quarterback about you know what helps you. How do these people help you? How can we help you more? You know, what, what do you think about free agency? How would you feel about, you know, bringing in a guy? What if he's got a bit of a locker room issue? I'm not saying make decisions. I'm just saying get input. And I'm not saying do that with every player, but Aaron Rodgers, yeah, maybe we should get his input. Anyways, um, we'll talk Cardinals tomorrow, and um, we'll see what exactly happens. But uh, this is not a good situation, and hopefully it gets rectified. I'm nervous, but it's, it, it's something that has to happen. There needs to be a change. we got to start over. But again, as always, the talent is there. Everything is there for this team to be a, a very good team. We, I really like our GM. I like our defensive coordinator. We're going to have more pieces next year. We'll see. Um, I will say, because I just can't seem to stop talking, I'm excited about the future. I'm skeptical about 2019. It's probably a little too early to be doing this, but you know, first-year head coach, still trying to build that chemistry with Rodgers, trying to implement a new offensive scheme or system or whatever, still relatively young team. And and as far as just like building with talent, we, we might even be a couple years away from, you know, being at a place where we can kind of recover from the depletion that took place thanks to Ted Thompson. So I, I don't, I, I don't know that. And 2019 could absolutely be the year. I'm just saying, I think from a realistic standpoint, there, there's a good amount of damage here. Be, being completely, I mean, and every, every year brings its own challenges. There are teams that are awesome, and there are teams that are garbage. And it's just, you never know what's going to happen from year to year. Crazy stuff can happen. But just looking at it the way things are, there's just, there's a lot of damage that needs to be repaired. But anyways, um... Geez, I went from uh, tanking the season to tanking next season already. I don't mean actually tanking. I just mean, like, trashing. I'm a horrible fan. Anyways, you folks, enjoy your Friday. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Have a good one. Uh, Bye-bye.